Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, we pick up where we left off last time. Here's Pastor Izzy. Now, first of all, you guys got to remember, you got a couple million people. In the center, you got a cloud that's about three miles across. Then you have the people camped around the cloud. A couple million people, it's not going to be a small campground. You got to think big here, okay, to put them all around. And around that huge campground, God says, for a day's journey, starting at the edge of the campground, going outward, you could hike for a whole day. Most men can do pretty good mileage in a day. That's how far he made the quail go, three feet deep. Each quail, you could do all this work to get the quail, but I call it two bites. Just a small piece of breast meat on each side. Even if they're big, fat quail, it's not a lot. So God goes, I'm going to make you have enough quail to feed everybody quail to where it is coming out of your nostrils. Let me show you how much. He made it two cubits deep, three feet deep, a day's journey away from the edge of the camp. And the people spent all day, all night, and all the next day, two full days and a night. You say, how did they gather it at night? Well, where's the nightlight? A three mile across pillar of fire. They had light, don't worry. God went, go ahead. You want quail? Pick them up. And listen to this. It says the least gathered 10 omers and they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. And while the meat was still in their teeth before it was chewed, the anger of the Lord was kindled against this people and the Lord struck the people with a very severe plague. So the name of the place became Kirbath Hatava, literally the burial of the ones that were greedy. The ones that were so greedy, God said, I'm taking them out. They were like, hey, I'm just going to pile it on here. And the Lord said, I'm not pleased with them because of their greed. It wasn't because they wanted some meat to eat. It's when he gave them the meat, they weren't satisfied with just taking enough to eat for themselves what they needed. They were like greedy. I'm going to take way more than what I need. And so the Lord said, that's not right. That's supposed to be like that. By the way, this quail story comes right after the part where some of you guys might have learned this one in Sunday school. This is Numbers 11. That was the end of the chapter of 11. In the beginning of the chapter is when the people started to complain. And did the Lord like complaining against the leaders and against him? Did the Lord go, go ahead, that's fine. No, poor Moses. He's out there leading the people. Let me read you the first part of this chapter. You'll see more details when we look back at the psalm. He says, the people came and they began to complain of adversity in the hearing of the Lord. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled. The fire of the Lord burned amongst them and consumed some of them in the outskirts of the camp. The fire of the Lord was that pillar in the middle. But the Lord put some extra fire on the outskirt of the camp. Some of the folks on the edge were, we, 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 we don't like this. And the people therefore cried out to Moses and they prayed to the Lord and the Lord caused that fire to die out. And so then they named that place Taborah because the fire of the Lord burned amongst them. Now the rabble, I love this, the rabble. What is rabble? The rabble who were amongst them had greedy desires. And also the sons of Israel wept again and again saying, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish we had, which we used to eat free in Egypt. Yeah, it was free, all right. You were a slave and you're being beaten. And cucumbers and melons and leeks 
and onions and garlic. We remember all that. Now, now our appetite is gone. There's nothing at all to eat except this manna, this food of angels. All we get is angel food cake every day. And what happened to the onions? I don't know about you, but would you choose angel food cake over onions? I'd take the manna any day. Make manna pours, banana pancakes. I'm sure there's some we could come up with. Here they're complaining, but it says, verse 7, the manna was like coriander seed in its appearance, like that of beldum. It's um, golden. And the people would go out about and gather it and grind it into two millstones or beat it with a mortar. They would boil it in pots. They would make cakes with it. It would taste like the taste of cakes baked with oil. And when the dew fell on the camp at night, the manna would fall with it. Every night the Lord caused the dew to come on the earth and he made manna to come on top of it. And all they had to do is go gather it to eat. Verse 10 tells us, Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, each man at his doorway of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly, and Moses was displeased. Verse 11, this is Numbers eleven eleven. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you been so hard on your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight, that you've laid the burden of all these people on me? Was it I that conceived all this people? Was it I who brought them forth that you should say to me, carry them on your bosom as a nurse carries her nursing infant to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give this people? This is Moses. He's the leader and he's going, God, I didn't birth all these people. They're not mine. They're yours. Am I like, you know, like a nursing mom that has to tend to her nursing baby? Am I supposed to take care of these guys like my own children? He's complaining. Listen to this. Where am I going to get meat? And verse 13 says, For they weep before me, saying, Give us meat, give us meat that we might eat. And I alone am not able to carry this people, because this is too burdensome for me. Lord, this is too big a job. You ever thought about that? How much pressure would be on the guy? Look at verse 15 if you don't think so. By the way, for anyone in leadership, you should take great comfort when you read this verse. So Moses then spoke, verse 15, So if you're going to deal thus with me, Lord, please kill me at once. And if I found favor in your sight, then do not let me see my wretchedness. Lord, I can't take it anymore. Just kill me. That's a nice leader. He's like, I can't do it. So the Lord therefore said to him, verse 16, Gather for me 70 men from the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people, and let their officers bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them take their stand with you there. You know, Moses, you are doing this too much on your own. Get 70 men, leaders, elders from Israel. Bring them to the tent. Call for them. Tell the people they got to be true elders, leaders in the community. Get 70 of them. So they called for 70 men. They brought them to the tent of meeting. And it says, and there the Lord says, I will come down and speak with you there. And I will take of the spirit who is upon you and I will put him upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you will not bear it all alone. Moses, you're feeling burnt out. Here's what you do. You get elders, true elders. Call them together, and I will take the same spirit, his God's Holy Spirit that he put on Moses, and I will put it on them. And then you got 70 guys to help you out. I don't know if you guys ever heard this story, but this part, when a person's leading all on their own and they're feeling burnt out, they need to take some advice here. Moses had to get help. By the way, for the guy, somebody's like, well, I have the anointing. 
can God not pass that anointing to some other man? I mean, does God go, oh, well, it's exclusive. Only for the founding pastors do we give anointings, or only for the founding patriarchs of this movement. No, God can pass his spirit to anybody. And to show you that he wants to, I'll read you the rest of this little bit here before this quail story, because this is what happened right before the quail. A lot of people don't know this. Moses was burning out. And the Lord said, let me send 70 guys to help you. So we read this. It says, say to the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the ears of the Lord saying, oh, that someone would give us meat to eat. For we were well off in Egypt. Therefore, the Lord will give you meat to eat. See, God heard their cry. They didn't know it was going to come in three feet deep all the way around the camp for a day's journey. God's going, I hear what you're saying. You shall eat not one day of meat, not two days of meat, not five days, nor 10, nor 20, but a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and it becomes loathsome to you because you rejected the Lord who is amongst you and wept before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? God goes, I'm going to give you so much meat to eat. You'll be eating it for a month. How do you get out of three foot deep quail all the way a day's journey. You got to eat quail for a while. Now listen, Moses is talking to the Lord. The people amongst whom I am, they're like 600,000 on foot. And yet you have said, I will give them meat so that they may eat for a whole month. And by the way, they only counted the men of war, age 20 and up in the numbering. When you read the book of Numbers chapter one, they say 550,000 men when they go through the wilderness, get ready to go into the promised land. So he's going, we had 600,000 at the beginning, the 40 years. 600,000 men plus the women. And should the flocks and the herds be slaughtered for them to be sufficient, Lord? Or should all the fish of the sea be gathered together to be sufficient? Verse 23, is the Lord's power limited? How big a problem is this for God? He's going, I'm going to make a wind. And it's going to carry quail. And when you guys wake up and you see the quail, you're going to be like, what? Three feet deep all the way for a day's journey. But he's speaking to Moses. Hey, Moses, you leader. And by the way, all leaders need to hear this question. Is the Lord's power limited? You want to be a leader in the church? Better be ready to answer this question. Because it's the answer God gives to Moses when Moses is feeling burnt out. Did God want Moses to lean on Moses? Did God expect Moses to carry all this burden by him? No. But what happened was Moses was thinking, how can I do all this for these people? How could I take care of them all? And God's going, I didn't ask you to. God never asked his leaders to take care of the people. God asked his leaders to steer the people to God, and God will take care of the people. All I am is a director. Someone comes to me, Oh, pastor, I'm having a problem with this and I just don't know what to do. How am I going to solve it? And all I have to do is say, you know, I know who can take care of that. Let me direct you to the true problem solver, God. That's all I do as a pastor is direct people to him and he solves their problem. But Moses was trying to solve their problem with Moses's own strength. How could I get enough meat, Lord, by myself? Even if I had an ocean full of fish, I couldn't do it. Lord goes, is anything too hard? Anything too difficult? Is my power limited, Moses? Good thing to remind leaders. Now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. Now see, I'm reading to you what happened 
before the quail flew in. You already know what's going to happen. But see, he didn't know. God's going, so Moses, anything too hard for me? Is this beyond my power? And so Moses went out. He told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered the 70 men of the elders. He stationed them around the tent. And then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took the spirit who was upon Moses and placed that spirit upon the 70 elders. And the spirit rested upon them and they prophesied. But it says they did not do it again. Kind of breaks my heart. They did it once. But there were two men that had remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad and the other one was Medad. And the spirit rested upon them also. And these were amongst those that were registered, but they had not gone out of the tent. They stayed in the tent for some reason. Two of the fellows stayed back. And they prophesied in the camp. And the young men ran and they told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Now remember the 68 other ones, they did it one time, but they didn't continue. But these two fellows kept going. A prophet is a man that is like a mouthpiece for God. He's like a radio. A radio doesn't make any sound of itself. A radio only receives the signal that's being broadcast and then goes through its little transistors. You know, it's got that invisible FM wave that comes. And if the radio is dialed to the right frequency, then it picks up the frequency and then it goes through its little transistors and out comes out of the speaker that signal broadcast in a way that people can understand. Well, what if I'm tuned into God's frequency and he's broadcasting? You know, we don't see radio waves at all, do we? But they're all around us all the time. Some people say, I don't see God. I said, doesn't change the fact that he's broadcasting. It's just, you're not tuned in. Because the guys who are tuned in, they're called his prophets. They don't come up and say, this is what I think. No, they only say, thus saith the Lord. Because their job isn't to make up the message. Their job is to receive the message from the Lord and then just broadcast it. Well, two of these guys... I love it. These two guys, Eldad and Medad, they were still going in the camp. They're running around going, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. They're telling the people what God wanted them to hear. One of the young guys comes running to Moses. Moses, Moses, those guys are still going. Shouldn't you tell them to stop? And Joshua, the son of Nun, the attendant of Moses, verse 28, from his youth, said, Moses, my Lord, you should restrain them. Listen to Moses, verse 29. But Moses said to him, are you jealous? For my sake, would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit upon all of them. And then Moses returned to the camp, both he and the elders. And that's when the wind blew and the quail came in. See, everyone skips past that to tell the quail story, but they forget to tell the spirit of God wanted to speak to the camp so they could hear from God. And God didn't mind putting his spirit that he had placed on Moses on the 70 elders. And Moses, when Moses saw it happen, I think Moses went, boy, this is good. And Joshua's going, shouldn't you tell me, Dad, and Eldad to stop? And he goes, why, are you jealous? Don't be jealous for me. I wish everybody had God's Spirit speaking through them. Wouldn't that be wonderful? When someone comes, I don't know what God would want me to do. Have you ever been sharing with something that some words came out of your mouth so beautiful and you went, where'd that come from? And you know it wasn't you. Oh, so smooth. I should have wrote that down. But that's when God's spirit speaks to us sometimes, those beautiful words. And we're like, oh. And Moses said, I wish that everybody would have his spirit to speak through them. I wish they all would because they weren't all speaking nice stuff, were they? 
Remember the beginning of the chapter? They were complaining and grumbling and murmuring. and Oh, I wish we could go back and have some onions and leeks and eat some food back in bondage. See, they forgot how bad it was. When they get out there in the wilderness and see God providing every day, and they're like, we don't like this. This is no fun. We got to go every day and trust God. We got to get manna, scoop it up every day and eat it. This angel food stuff every day, I don't know. And remember, if they gathered too much, what happened? It rotted by the next day, except for the day before the Passover. That's the only day of the week they could gather double, and it would stay. And by the way, was there any manna on the ground on the Sabbath? None. He was trying to teach him, I will provide every day for you. They said, teach us to pray. And he said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need today. I goes, I can do that. I did that for the Israelites for 40 years. If we knew these stories really well, and we told our children and told them so that they could pass it on to their children, then it would somehow sink into our brain as it was passing from our parents or our grandparents to us, and then from us to our kids and our grandkids. Somewhere along the way, you think there would be a connection, right? That we'd go, wait a minute, God provided daily bread for them. He told us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. How many times has God provided for us every day? We probably can go over and over how many times. And we're supposed to pass that on so that the next generation knows and God will provide for you every day your daily bread. They need to know. God wasn't uptight about giving them daily bread. I don't think he even minded giving them meat to eat. He did mind that they were greedy, though. Take note of that. When he made an abundant blessing and they got greedy, more than slap your hand, he smote some of those guys down. And that's the part Asaph is writing about in Psalm 70. So we say, well, I don't get this part of this psalm when he says that, and the Lord judged them. First he gave them food to eat, and then he judged them. They only know like what they learned in Sunday school. Maybe they learned the quail story, but they didn't learn the complaining that came before the quail. And they don't know that once they got the quail, they got greedy. But did Asaph know the whole story, you think? You know, the guy, the worship leader at the temple? Sure he did. He knew the whole story. And that's why when he writes Psalm 78, he says, and this generation was stubborn. They were rebellious, a stubborn generation. And they cried, Lord, give us this meat to eat. And God gave it to them. But as soon as he did, remember back here in Psalm 78, as soon as the meat fell in the midst of the camp and they ate and they were well filled and their desire he gave to them before they had satisfied their desire. They were so greedy while the food was in their mouths, the anger of God arose against them and killed some of their stoutest ones. You say, why would God pick the stoutest ones? They ate the most. Even you guys were gluttons. Ten homers apiece, they were gluttons. By the way, it said the ones who gathered the least gathered at least 10 homers. The least. What about the guys that went, all right, quail for a day's journey, three feet deep. I'm going to just keep dragging it back to the tent. I don't know how to tell you this, but when you clean a quail, you got to take the feathers off. I cannot imagine how many quail feathers were all over the camp. If the thing was three feet deep of quail, the way around and they're dragging them back to camp to make the supper you gotta pull the feathers off have any of you plucked a chicken or fowl 
they're little teeny feathers on the quail. It would be feathers everywhere. And they're just like, oh, we got to get the meat. We got to clean them up, cook them, clean them up. And they're eating and eating. eating. There must have been feathers galore. They could have made down pillows, I guess, or full down sleeping bag, whatever. But they were greedy. And the Lord was not pleased with their greed. He strikes the stout ones. If you get the stout ones, the other ones go, whoop, wait a minute. (laughs) Wake up call. I think God isn't really pleased. Maybe we should back off a little. And so the Lord, he was trying to deliver enough food for a month. They were trying to eat in a day, I think. That's my own opinion. They, well, they, it took them two days and a night to gather it all. But they were like, let's have one ginormous meal. And there was more quail than that. If you could eat it every day for a month, 40 bites of quail, that's a lot. They were really packing it. And the Lord went, wrong. Remember, this is one of those contemplated psalms where you're thinking about what's the message we got to pass this on to our kids what do we pass on to our kids now i already told you the three things what were they first we tell of his praises then we tell of his strengths and then we tell of his wondrous works and if you tell your kids all those things they get a nice round well-adjusted view of god that god is a god that has power that god is worthy to be praised, that God can do wondrous things. When they know that, does that help them through their journey of life? And their faith, does it help their faith? Sure. Because if you're not taught that, if you're taught God's a weakling, he can't do anything, I don't know if he can help us. How many times have we cried to the Lord, help Lord, and he helps us? We got to tell to our kids and our grandkids, God heard my cry. God helped me. And I praise him for that. We're allowed to tell our kids, yeah, I praise the Lord for hearing my cry and answering my prayer. He's a very faithful God. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord or at our podcast site, celebratethelord.org. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. This world.